we're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glassford. Come right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop culture cosmos. <laughs> we get the latest news and information right there in the world of pop culture, right there for you at the Pop Culture Cosmos, wherever you get your podcast. Plus, also as well, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, of course. The great folks at LakersBall.com. Go ahead and check out the guy pointing left and right. That is Ox1947. Go ahead and check him out today at LakersBall.com. Plus, he owns a great company, Simblades. If you want your lawn transformed into something much more magical than it is today, just go ahead and check him out today at Simblades. Simblades with a Y.com. And he was just moaning and groaning before we went on the air talking about how it is so hot where he's at, how he's had to work so hard. So there you go, a testimonial right there, what he does for you. He will work as hard as he can for you in 106-degree heat. Okay, go ahead. you say, Joe? Go ahead. All right, fair enough. Does this really help in bowling? <laughs> the hell is this? <laughs> Edit that. That's what you get for yapping. That's what I get for yapping. I destroyed my fingers when it comes to bowling. I mean, I because I threw it straight. And I threw it with such force that I actually all my finger, my three fingers here were actually just broken. That is a nice hat. There you go. Absolutely. That That, is a very nice hat. I have not, I have never seen that hat. All right. Well, let me go ahead and introduce our guest here in a minute, but go ahead and check it out today. Simblades, Simblades with a Y.com. Also as well, Laker Tom and Jamie Sweet, their ongoing feud continues over Christian Wood. Find out why today at LakeNolens.com. <laughs> no, indeed. And also as well, John McCallion, he's lost 50 pounds. Go ahead and hear his continuous story, plus some great conversations at the John McCallion channel. Our good friend Stone Hansen at the Upside Swings Draft Podcast. Go ahead and check it out today where we get your podcast. And again, please go ahead and like and subscribe. We're so close to 1,000 subscribers, so go ahead. Please subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with the latest Lakers Fast Break. And if you can, it is sincerely appreciated. Well, for months now, seemingly, got two, three months now since we heard that there's a new CBA on the way, we've had our audience ask us time and time again, our awesome moderator, Search and Destroy, plus several others have asked, we need a podcast devoted to the CBA. We need a podcast devoted to the collective bargaining agreement. So we wanted to make sure all the ink was dry, the I's were dotted, T's were crossed, and everything was all set for this new collective bargaining agreement. And I would go ahead and I would search out the best and the most knowledgeable on the CBA. And I think I found just that person with the help of my good friend Stone Hansen, who suggested me and turned me on to this guy. Good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check out his awesome show that Magic Man and I were just talking about before we went on the air. It is the Bird Rights Podcast. It is Stephen Miguel. Stephen, great to have you here. Again, the hat you have on is awesome. A dominant performance by what many consider to be the best playoff team of all time in the Los Angeles Lakers. Great to have you here talking the CBA. Truly appreciate the time you're taking to speak to us today on it. Of course. Thanks for having me. And for those who don't know, I'm actually a Philadelphia 76ers fan. So I figure, you know, Lakers pod representing my Sixers is the perfect hat to wear. 
Absolutely. But there's also some great Dr. J teams, Moses Malone teams. Obviously, you can have many great uh, teams as far as down the line. Obviously, the early 80s were a great period of time for Philadelphia 76ers fans. And of course, what you have right now ongoing with Joel Embiid and the James Harden drama going on there right now. I can see you rolling your eyes right there. Uh, obviously, that still has yet to play out. And you know, now we hear instances where Joel Embiid is dropping those LeBron James-like, you know, ambiguous statements where, you know, I just want to win a championship, you know, whether it's in Philly or somewhere else, you know, he paraphrasing him. So obviously that's going to make you nervous. So before we get into the CBA as a Philadelphia 76ers fan, does it make you nervous when Joel Embiid drops uh, stuff like that this past weekend? I mean, I was nervous beforehand. I mean, Sixers organization in general really has shown no reason for any for to show that they were built they're able to get out of the second round of the playoffs. So they paired him with Ben Simmons. Obviously, that was a disaster. You get Jimmy Butler. The whole idea was, oh, Jimmy Butler didn't want to play with Ben Simmons. He didn't want to be coached by Brett, Brett Brown. So they let him walk. And quite frankly, Jimmy Butler was the only running partner or running mate that Joel Embiid had that actually could have gotten him to the next level. I mean, and we we see how that went. I'm a big proponent. If the Kawhi shot didn't go in, we would have won it all. Actually. I'm sure I know there's a lot of people that feel differently. You were were a really good team. I will give you that. You guys had a really good team. If you were going to win, I mean, you had Butler and Bede loved to play with Butler. It was really looking good from there. Yeah. I, I can't say I disagree with you on that. But yeah, I mean, obviously we'll never know what actually happens, but, and then, you know, you pair him with James Harden, another guy who has never shown the ability to win. And while he did have, you know, two 43 plus point games in the playoffs and single-handedly won us two of those games, I mean, he crumbled at game six and game seven, him and Embiid were both disasters. So, I mean, I think their writing's starting to be on the wall, similar to how it has been with Dame Lillard and Poland for a couple of years now. So yeah, I mean, his... His comments definitely aren't encouraging. Well, I'll tell you what, though, there is a great future ahead, hopefully, for the Philadelphia 76ers. Hopefully, they can meet the Lakers in next year's finals. So we'll see if everything falls right for both those teams. But as you know, Stephen, falling right between both those teams as far as negotiating, it's also navigating through the various lines of the new CBA. And obviously, that's one of the great reasons why you're here. But I've talked enough as far as what we, as far as intro is concerned, but I wanted to go ahead and have the panelists, the fellow panelists to go ahead and talk about some of the things that they were, were interested in and curious in as far as the CBA is concerned. And first man up, first man here, good man indeed. You've got to go ahead and check him out today. He is the madman from Toronto. He just got out of Toronto traffic to talk to CBA with Stephen Miguel. It is, of course, the magic man, Sean Grice. And magic man, great to have you here. The CBA is a very complex thing, especially the latest one has come out. I think, Stephen, what, 600 plus pages, I think, in total, as far as the, you know, if you had to read through the entire thing, it's like War and Peace revisited. But Magic Man, I'll have you start first with questions or thoughts on the CBA so we can go ahead and hear what Stephen has to say on the new collective bargaining agreement and how it affects not only the Lakers, the Sixers, but the entire NBA. Absolutely. And thank you very much for coming on, Stephen. Really appreciate it, man. Of course. Yeah. 
So when when we're looking at uh, the the changes in the new CBA, obviously, like for for our purposes as Laker fans, we we obviously kind of look at the the apron and the uh, the tax limits as far as uh, spending goes. Now um, the the penalties are very punitive. The the further you go up that ladder, and specifically in the second apron, which is uh, a question I had for you. There's actually now a provision in the CBA that freezes teams' picks if they are not able to uh, square themselves away financially and get out of that second apron. I was wondering, what are your thoughts on that moving forward? And obviously, it was to it was to kind of um, spotlight teams like the Clippers and Warriors who just spent money like crazy. And thought there was there was going to be no uh, punitive consequences. So this is kind of a reaction to that. But I was interested in your thoughts, Stephen, and what you think about um, about all these different um, uh, mechanisms and machinations that uh, the lawyers are now going to use to try and keep parity in vogue. So. Are you asking perspective of the Lakers or just in general? Just, just in, that, that yeah. second apron, because we, yeah, we heard about the first apron. apron. And then if you go by the first step apron enough, you're going into a second apron. But that second apron, which was created as far as this new CBA is, can be to a team very crippling. Okay, absolutely. So my first reaction is, yes, it was implemented because you see teams like the Lakers, or not the Lakers, the Warriors and the Clippers, spending upwards of almost $200 million when the salary cap was close to 130. So the way I kind of have seen it described is it's more of a soft hard cap in the fact that sure, you can go over it, but there's major repercussions. So I, I think the best way to describe it is that the league as a whole wants more parity in the league for the smaller markets to be more competitive because Obviously, um, Balmer from the Clippers is, I think, in the five richest men in the world. He, he doesn't care about how much to spend. Warriors, same thing. They haven't really cared in terms they, of the Lakers. They have the new Chase Center. They're printing money. They're, yeah. They're, yeah. Yeah, he's, he, they, don't, he, they don't care about a luxury tax bill whatsoever. He'll pay as much. He has enough to buy off 30 teams as much money if he wanted to. My counter argument to that is look at the Phoenix Suns. I mean – they're over the second tax, and as long as they have those four guys, sure, maybe they move DeAndre Aiden after this year, but or maybe during the year, but as long as they have that salary on the books, they're going to be in the second apron, and they're okay with taking whatever repercussions come with it. So I, I think the purpose of it was to really implement the smaller markets to really, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies, teams that grew organically, as small markets to make sure they could stay competitive. So the sport's not dominated by the Clippers, the Warriors. Obviously, the Lakers could have been a cash bait team this year, so they're not really in the conversation now. But typically, you know, guys want to play for the Lakers, and they would be wanting to go on that second tax. So, so does let that me ask your question? Well, well, let me ask you this. I think leading on to Magic Man's question is, is what kind of repercussions for Phoenix, right now the Clippers, Right now, mm-hmm. the Golden State Warriors, and like I said, for Phoenix, the Suns, those teams are in that second tax apron. What repercussions do they have for them down the road if they stay in that second tax apron? Okay. 
So one of them is the fact that usually you could send out draft picks seven years in advance. Like, you know, with the Anthony Davis trade, I think you get four picks, three swaps, because that's the max you could do. In that scenario, you wouldn't be able to send that seventh pick on the way out. You can only do up to six picks. So you'd have to do three picks, three swaps. And that seventh pick, if you are in the super tax, I'll call it, if you're over the second apron, then for two out of four years, that pick, you not only can't trade it, it goes to the last pick of the first round. So if you're a team like, let's say, the Clippers, who were, I believe, the sixth seed this year, that's a mid-first round pick. If it was a second time in four years in that above the second apron, that pick would have went from 16 or whatever it was to 30. So that's the first repercussion. You can't trade the pick, and the pick automatically, if you're a repeater team, goes to the end of the draft. Another interesting one, and this one becomes a lot more difficult to make trades, is you can't aggregate salaries for a larger salary. So the example I thought of was the Clippers going after James Harden, for example. If they want to trade, they can do it this year, but this starts at the the conclusion of this year, I guess, to give teams some ability to get under the tax or under the second apron, you can't trade like a three for one. You can't trade a Robert Covington, Marcus Morris, and Nick Batum for James Harden because you're a second, you're a second apron team. You will lose the capability of doing that. So not only does it make trading more difficult because you can't aggregate your mid-tier salaries into a larger salary, presumably for a star, but the salary matching also becomes more difficult. Typically, NBA teams could salary match up to 125% as a tax team. For super tax teams, teams above the second apron, it goes down to 110%. So you can't aggregate salaries, and you have less salary leeway to work with, in a sense. And then, of course, you wouldn't have access to the, um, the taxpayer mid-level exception either as a... Um, team above the second second apron. Those are really the three big ones in terms of what you lose out on as a team. But again, the aggregating salaries doesn't start until the end of this year. They gave a year leeway to teams to um to you know to try to comply, which I don't even know if it's going to be an issue to close due to the amount of expiring salary they have. But that's something I mean, definitely for Phoenix to keep an eye out for. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Uh, So you would watch The Tomorrow War before The Matrix? Yes. If you forced me down, I was tied into a chair and I had to watch one thing, I would say The Matrix Resurrections. Really funny. Yeah, because of all the cutscenes, I could remember what a good movie was like. (laughs) Well played, sir. Well played. Yes, that's the only reason for the flashbacks, to remind you what a good Matrix movie was. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. One thing I want to ask you, though, on it, as far as smaller things that will be affected if the team stays within the confines of a second tax apron, is about uh, exceptions for free agents, but also buyout players. They will not be eligible for much of this. Is that, that correct, is correct as well? It's 
the way I interpreted it after reading that provision of the CBA was it's any player who assigns making at least the mid-level exception. So I think the MLE this year was 12.2. So any player that was making above, like I think of Russell Westbrook last year, for example, when he was bought up by Utah, the Clippers wouldn't have been able to sign him because he was obviously he was making 40 some 47 million, but any player making at least $12 million that's then bought out, any team above the second apron cannot sign at, in the buyout market. So like, I don't know, I'm thinking of an example. Um, Paul Reed is the first one to come to mind because the Sixers just matched his rights. If for whatever reason he's bought out, he's at $8 million, the Clippers, the Suns, the Warriors, they could sign him to a minimum because he's under that $12 million. But that's the thing in the CBA people weren't sure of. We knew you wouldn't be able to sign buyout players, but you didn't know exactly what that definition was. And since the CBA came out officially a couple weeks ago, it's been defined as a player making mid-level exception money or more would be ineligible. Once again, it's the Lakers fast break. We have Steve Miguel from the Bird Rights Podcast joining us, talking the CBA, and we're so appreciative that he is. Truly appreciate all the comments as well on the best Lakers chat room that's out here right here at the Lakers fast break. But also here today, good man indeed. Surprised he came back, but he did come back for a special guest today. We thought he would be gone for the weekend. Because he told us he was going to be gone for the weekend, but we're certainly glad to have him here. He is the guy behind Simblades, Simblades with a Y.com, and also Ox1947 at LakersBall.com. It is Joe Sorrow. Joe, you've got that concerned face. You've got that look right there, serious. I'm in serious mode. I almost feel like I should be serious alongside with you, my friend. Your thoughts, my friend, and what you have as far as comments or questions for Stephen today. Well, the continued fallacy that these new stipulations are put in because they don't want teams like the LA Clippers or the Golden State Warriors to outspend mid-tier or mid-market teams. The question that I have is, who gives two rats behinds about Memphis, Minnesota, New Orleans, and these mid-tier, mid-market teams? Why change every CBA into a harder process for what, 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 what are we going to get out of, what did we get out of this year? We got an angry Mike Malone because his team beat the Lakers yet. They kept talking about the Lakers. What does that tell you? And what is the, what have the LA Clippers won? And would the golden state warriors have won if they hadn't drafted Steph Curry, um, Clay Thompson and Draymond Green? They just won a title a couple of years ago, and they didn't have Durant either. So the question here is, are, 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 is the NBA still using that same stupid narrative of we don't want this to get out of control? At this point, what's the next thing? Are they finally going to put in a hard cap and just stop this nonsense of confusion? Apron one, are we going to go to an apron three next, mm-hmm. where you can't walk into your own building if you – Hit the apron three. Like, this is getting ridiculous. And the reason why I have the look of concern, it's not really concern, it's just confusion a little bit. At what point does this stop? At what point are owners going to say, look, guys, what, what the hell are we doing? And what? why did the players fight this current CBA? Like, what are they thinking? Because aren't they going to 
essentially kill the middle money? Like, who's going to get paid $20 million, those mid-tier guys? Are there going to be just su- super maxes and then the guys that make the MLE and below? Uh, is it just me that I'm looking at it from that perspective? So I, I completely understand that perspective. It's something that I initially was, you know, expressed the same concern for in regard to why would the players agree to this. But, I mean, in the new CBA, take Jalen Brown, for example. Guys like Jalen Brown were only able to extend up to 120% of their current salary. Now they move that up to 140%. That's, you know, a tick in the player's favor. Another tick in the player's favor, you could argue, is the fact that these guys might end up getting paid more than they should to be used as trade dips because of the fact that, I mean, if you're going to pay the second tax anyway, you're going to pay it. So I, I actually thought Phoenix was a great example where I thought they were going to pay Tory Craig probably three or four times what he was worth because they didn't have anybody else's bird rights to resign to use him as a chip to get a, a piece later. So I, I feel like with the new CBA, a lot of these players are eventually going to become, in essence, I don't want to belittle them. Obviously, they're athletes, they're humans, but they essentially would become a walking trade exception to that team. So guys might end up getting paid more money than they deserve with the understanding, oh, we will trade you later. I, I think D'Angelo Russell might actually be a good example of that. Um, D'Angelo Russell signed two for 36, 18 million a year. I- I'd say that's pretty fair value. I don't think it was a gross overpay. But what he did was, in the new CBA, a player who you will lose their bird rights by trading them. And basically how it is now, any player that signs a one plus one, a one-year guarantee with a player option, such as Angelo Russell did, he would then lose his bird rights if he's traded. So to alleviate that, those players would get a implied, basically, no trade clause to, to compensate for the fact that they can't get paid as much by their next team because that team won't have their bird rights. Andrew Russell said, okay, I will waive that. And Rob Palenka, I'm sure, negotiated this with him, saying, look, we will pay you because we want to salary match you later on, but in order to do that, you got to, you know, kind of waive this new trade clause. So I feel like I might have rambled a little bit. I don't know if that exactly answered your question, but I I mean, it's definitely not the most player friendly, but the Supermax hasn't changed. That was implemented the last CBA. Um, The max contracts hasn't changed. So 55% for 10 year plus VAT. The rookie extension is a huge notch in guys coming off rookie extensions because before if you the only way to get a five-year rookie extension was a full max rookie deal now or max extension off your rookie deal now for a guy like i don't know let's say trey murphy of the new orleans pelicans i think it's a great example he could now get five years a hundred million which isn't a max securing himself in for an extra 20 million on that fifth year so there's still aspects to it that are relatively player friendly and I think the biggest aspect that people aren't talking about in terms of it being player-friendly is the fact that there's no cap smoothing. So I'm sure you guys are familiar with the 2016 offseason when there was a huge new TV deal and a huge cap spike. And then the Lakers went out and signed Luel Deng and they signed Timothy Mozgov to massive deals they didn't deserve because there was all this newfound money from the new TV deal. As a result... The agents in 2017, in 2018, even through 2019, 
they kind of got, you know, pinched a little bit because all that newfound money, the Warriors aren't going to that offseason. All that money was still in the books for teams that tied up other money. Now that this cap smoothing, guys don't have to worry, oh, well, I need to sign a two-year deal because in 2025, I'm not going to be able to get paid because there's a new TV deal. That, that's not going to be an issue anymore. So I, I think cap smoothing will actually help, even though there won't be a huge cap spike like there was in 2016. I think the ability of, okay, the cap increases by 10% this year. It increases by 10% next year. Guys won't have to worry about it being squeezed out because of a new TV deal, which I believe there's a new TV deal in two years, actually, that needs to be renegotiated. So we won't see that huge spike again where subsequent free agents after the following year, you know, kind of get squeezed out of money. So in that aspect, I think it's player-friendly as well. Joe, any follow-up before I hit it over to Magic Man? I... I guess I got my answer that I needed. It seems like there's this, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I just feel like it's gotten to the point where they're trying to just not stop the NBA. They just give everybody what they want, confuse the hell out of everybody to the point where no one knows really what's going on and then just start the season. <laughs> That's all I look at it. Well, I, I think this could be a middle ground for what's to come. I know you asked, is there going to be a third apron? I, I don't think it's going to get that drastic, but it, it's drastic to go from what they were doing with, sure, there's theoretically a hard cap, but you could go over it, is a, as opposed to, okay, let's implement the second apron where it's a soft hard cap rather than going from, okay, we could you could go as deep into the taxes you want as long as you're going to pay it. And instead of just drawing the line and saying, no, that's not going to happen anymore, they'll kind of, okay, here's a seven-year CBA for you guys to figure your stuff out. And then maybe the next CBA in 2029 or 2030, that's when a hard cap would be implemented. So I think that's a possibility. So could this change again in the next CBA where they make it more difficult, or do you see this as the final solution? I want to say more difficult. Uh, again, I think this would be a middle ground to, uh, I think they're trying to kind of replicate what Major League Baseball does in terms of, okay, baseball doesn't have a salary cap, but they have a luxury tax. Then they have the second apron, and that's kind of how the NBA is replicating it. So I, I think this is honestly pretty experimental. That kind of, sure, it favors small markets. Players aren't totally getting squeezed. And, you know, it's just a happy medium. And let's see how it goes for the seven years. And, you know, kind of figure it out after that. So for what that's worth, I don't know. But that's that's what it seems to be to me in terms of – and, again, there's a new TV deal in two years. That could change everything. The NBA could have said, oh, we could have had a cap that's worth double what it is now with the new TV deal. So are they going to regret the cap smoothing of 10%? Maybe. But – it, as I said, prevents guys from being squeezed later on because teams waste all the money that one year. Well, I think they also got the sticker shock from, as you saw, the year that they did get the huge, was it 2016? Uh, yeah. With the big, yeah, that obviously Golden State benefited the most from it by being able to loop in Kevin Durant into that. And obviously you saw what happened there with two world championships for them. 
but I don't disagree with Joe. I don't think this will ever be the the final solution as far as that's concerned. I think they will the NBA will always tweak and mm. modify and change because there will always be a team or teams to find loopholes within CBAs that will allow them to go ahead and manipulate it that will get other teams pissed off. So you will never have true parity, I think, in the league because there's always going to be teams that are more effective at managing the cap, more effective, more effective at playing the game and then other teams, organizations that are not going to be as effective. I think you're always going to have that level of ineptitude to superiority in organizations where you have good organizations that are well-run that are understanding the CBA and how to manipulate it and those teams that are not. Yeah, and people could hate the Golden State Warriors as much as they want for winning the four championships. And again, this CBA was kind of implemented because of how much they're wanting to pay into the tax. But I mean, they drafted Steph Curry. They got Draymond Green in the second round. They drafted Klay Thompson. And the only one of the, out of those guys, Steph Curry, was the ninth pick. They never had first, second, third, fourth. They, they didn't go through a process like the Sixers did to get Joe Allen beat and Ben Simmons and Marco Fultz. They did it organically, and they, you know, that's why bird rights are implemented, so you could go over the cap to sign your guys. John? So I, oh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Any, no, any I was just going to say, so, I mean, it's, it, it's to enforce the big spenders from being able to spend – but at the same time, I think the Warriors should kind of deserve to, you know, keep the band together because of how good they were drafting and developing. But you saw Phoenix right away, as what everybody has been saying, give a proverbial mm -hmm. middle finger to the NBA as they went ahead and got Bradley Beal and basically said, you know what, we're just going to blow by that second tax apron and deal with the consequences from there. Yeah, I mean, banner, banners fly forever is the expression, I believe, or flags yeah. fly forever. That's what it is. So uh, he's a mad Ishbia is a new owner. Uh, he, I, I guess they just don't care. They're, he'll deal with the repercussions from there. Yeah, we'll see what happened with those repercussions. But, Sean, Magic Man, your thoughts on, on what we've been talking about so far, and do you have anything else you want to go ahead and throw at uh, you know, obviously Steven's been so gracious and go ahead and check out the birds, right? Podcast. So you go ahead and get the latest info on what's going on with his show, but magic man, any thoughts on, on what we've been talking about? And do you have any questions more for your own? Absolutely. Steven. Um, so there, there, it looks like there's uh, another small, small provision in the CBA that, um, it, it kind of made me think of uh, the, the what happened during the the ten eleven season when both the the Heat acquired both Dwayne uh, both Chris Bosh and LeBron on a sign and trade uh, in this CBA that that they would be precluded from doing that they would only be allowed to I believe acquire one of them because I, if I'm not mistaken you can only acquire one player through a through a sign and trade but only if that player hasn't been signed and traded firstly correct so it's not as if you can double dip um as as the miami heat did in the in the previous cba so yeah that's my interpretation of it because it's always been the scenario where if you sign and trade for a player you're hard capped anyway so that will preclude a lot of teams from being able to sign and trade for two players anyway on max deals well lebron and wade and bosch i think all took discounts so it wasn't quite a max right but but yeah, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that he did have the cap space given the discounts that those three took 
to outright sign those guys anyway. So again, I'm not trying to discredit your example, but I mean, it's exactly what we were just talking about in terms of teams are always going to have a loophole. Sure. One of these two teams are going to have to get the first round pick in the signing trade. And one of the other teams is going to have to eat crow and just the box is going to sign in cap space anyway. So does it exactly, I mean, that's really the only scenario I really remember two guys really signing for a signing trade in the same offseason. I can't, right. it, it's not a very common thing. So, yeah, I mean, that's the only real example I can think of. But again, there's going to be loopholes in the event, though, like a team doesn't have cash space like the Heat did. I, I do believe that is the interpretation that, okay, well, you can't, I don't know. I'm thinking of next offseason. Let's say Jalen Brown and Pascal Siakam both want to go to the Clippers or whatever it is. You can't, you know, both of them can't both go there in a sign right. and trade. So you'd have to open up cash space for at least one of them. Where I think the Lakers this offseason would have been a good example if they could have signed Kyrie Irving and did a sign and trade for somebody else theoretically using D'Angelo Russell in a double sign trade, something like that. So there's still ways around it provided the team is cap space, but in the event that yeah, the team doesn't, then you can only do the one. Joe, uh, any thoughts to continue this conversation? Once again, we have Steve Miguel from the Bird Rights Podcast. Please go ahead and check out his awesome YouTube channel and, of course, wherever you get your podcasts. Joe, do you have any more thoughts on what's going on? Uh, I have a couple of my own, but I want to go ahead and save it for later. Your thoughts, though, on, on what we're talking about with Steve Miguel? So, <clears throat> yes, I actually have one more that I've been thinking about. Uh, the Jalen Brown contract okay. he is due to get the Supermax, which mm -hmm. at the tail end of his contract would be $60 million. No, 70. 70, I'm sorry, 70 million. What, how does that, okay, let's say Boston says, we can't do this. Mm -hmm. They obviously want to keep Jalen Brown, but we can't do this. What's, what's to happen? Is Jalen Brown just going to have to take less? Is he going to demand a trade? Is there somebody out there that's going to trade for Jalen Brown to pay him that money? How do those contracts now start to come together? Because I'm starting to notice that we're not getting a lot of movement in the James Harden situation, and we're not really getting any movement in the Dame Lillard situation. And we had been talking about this in the last year, like, okay, Dame just got a, a huge raise, same way Bradley Beal did. But Bradley Beal did get traded, so what's like what's what's this going to be like? What 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 team is going to sacrifice everything for one guy who might not even win you anything? So, in terms of the supermax, you can only sign the supermax with the team with your incumbent team that you became eligible in supermax for. So that was implemented back in the last CBA, the twenty third. 2013 CBA, I think it was, whatever year. 2011. Was. 20, okay, yeah. Yeah. So they implemented that to basically get guys to stay on their team. Again, to try to keep small market guys who are on small market teams to stay there and try to win with their current teams rather than requesting to go to a big market. It didn't work with Anthony Davis. He was super max eligible, and we know what happened with that. Didn't work with Kawhi Leonard. He was super max eligible. 
He said, I don't like the medical staff of San Antonio. I don't care. Got traded to Toronto, ended up signing with the Clippers, as we know. Kemba Walker was Supermax eligible, and the Hornets said, you don't deserve that much money. The one small thing the Hornets have actually done, but, I mean, the small thing would have been to trade him and get assets for him the year before, but nonetheless. Um, but Bradley Beal was Supermax eligible, and they said, you know what? They kind of negotiated with themselves, gave him a no-trade clause for who knows what reason, because he was going to take that money regardless with or without the no-trade clause, I guess to show some type of loyalty, and it bit them in the butt. So Jalen Brown has two scenarios. The first scenario is this, he could take the Supermax and then request out next year after the Supermax assigns, and a team is going to have to take on that whole contract, like the Suns are with Bradley Beal, he could sign the Supermax, but you're also going to have Jason Tatum on a Supermax, so you're going to be spending six years from now $140 million on two guys, if, if obviously they're both there in six years. but Or he could test free agency because the Celtics don't want to pay him that type of money, and he'd have to take the max that he's eligible for, which is 35% of the cash. So this is this is going getting to my point now, the ultimate point is okay. you're not rewarding good drafting and good uh in-team decision making. Let's let's talk about Oklahoma City for, for, for a minute. If they end up if Presti ends up doing another, you know, draft juggernaut mm-hmm. in the next year or two. You're going to have got, in seven years. He's got 35 draft picks total. How are they going to keep, let's say, guys that are stars? Let's just say. So, like, let, let's just say Chet Holmgren ends up all NBA guy. SGA's on a supermax, and Jalen Williams is supermax. Then you have, yeah, then you have a dilemma because you're not going to be able to pay all these guys. That's right. What and, and, and a lot of the reasons why they had to trade James Harden is James Harden would not take less than the max. Therefore, mm-hmm. they traded him to Houston. A year too early, granted, I, I, I at the time, and I've been trying to make this very clear to those who are 20, you know, have a problem with the 20, the hindsight. Harden was dog, you know what, in the 2012 finals. So mm-hmm. had he played better, it would have been very likely that maybe Oklahoma City gives him what he wants, especially if they had won a title that year. But because he didn't, they said, eh, we don't want to pay him the max, let him go. And that ended up costing... Oklahoma City, in my opinion, probably the dynasty that Golden State got. So I don't understand this. That See, this is the part that I understand. They want parity, but it's worse for mid-market teams to, to, to get anywhere near the the apron. I mean, anywhere. So what is this really all about? I, I guess that's the question I'd want to ask Adam Silver is I, if I'm asking Adam Silver, let's say you're Adam Silver, and I'm going, listen, this is the scenario I just brought up, right? Why do you guys keep telling us you want parity? You want the mid-market teams to have a chance when you're actually going to make it worse because the penalties are so harsh that those teams are not going to be able to pay over, but the rich billionaires that are buying these teams for $6 billion will whether they're in Phoenix, whether they're in Minnesota, doesn't matter. Like Phoenix isn't considered a high market team, but their owner is. Even I think one of our guys just posted something. I know San Francisco or the Bay Area 
is considered a you know big market at least now because of Silicon Valley. But there, the Warriors weren't really a a big market for the longest time. So what what is it like? I, I think I feel like everything I hear is BS. I want to know what is it like. I guess I want to know what the real reason why this entire setup is put it put the way it is, and I haven't been able to find a reason because it just. At this point, it's like, just make a hard cap then if you really want to do that. But because then, then you'd have what you sort of have in the NFL, wouldn't you? There's no guys that are playing in New York, not going to Green Bay, not going to Minnesota when there's a contract open because they have no choice. Everything is even. And that's the question. That's the question I would ask. So your previous question was, why would the players essentially agree to the CBA? This was, I guess, in the NBA, a win for players that, oh, if you're good enough to make all NBA or win Defensive Player of the Year or win MVP or any of those accolades, you're going to get this, be eligible for the Supermax amount. And, I mean, if a team has your bird rights, they're going to be able to retain you. I mean, the Warriors are willing to. So, I know we're talking about small markets here, but... They have Steph Curry, obviously, on the Supermax. They have Clay and Draymond Booth on Maxes. What's going to happen with the Memphis Grizzlies? I mean, they're lucky Jaron Jackson was hurt those first few years because John Morant is now on a rookie um, Max that's Supermax eligible. Jaron Jackson, luckily, is on a slight discount because his injuries the first few years, he took a little bit less, and now Desmond Bain's on the Max. So we just talked about OKC. Now I'm thinking of Memphis in terms of how are they going to be able to retain all those guys without getting penalized and going into that second apron with, you know, an owner that doesn't have his deep pockets as a big market. So honestly, to address your concerns and your confusion, I I don't know a way to alleviate it. But what what I do know is these players are getting rewarded for all NBA-type seasons. The team's... I suppose get rewarded by having the bird rights as a smaller market to keep them around. But I mean, they're going to have to pay the consequences of being in the tax or second tax or whatever it may be. I mean, there, there's no, there's no way to retain your supermax guys and avoid being, you know, one of those high spending teams. I mean, there's the, the, that there's no way around. So I don't know if that answers your question. But I definitely understand what you're saying in terms of the public policy is kind of stupid that you want to avoid the parity by not having the big markets dominate free agency. Sure, you could keep your guys that make all NBA at a significantly higher rate, like Jalen Brown, when because he made all NBA. But you're right, and that's why I said I don't think the CBA in the next seven years. I think it's experimental because, again, if we're able to figure it out on this podcast, I'm sure. NBA executives have also said, you know what, this public policy behind this doesn't make all that much sense either. I think it's both. I think they're trying to do both. Trying to do both in terms of... I think they're both trying to keep somewhat of... There's a parity, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, still allow the teams that can pay the tax, who are likely going to be the the, the higher market type teams, to be relevant. Because it's... That's that's the only... uh, I guess that's the only assessment I've been able to come together because with. Because the small markets are going to be able to nah, keep their... Nah, they're going to so, be able to keep their Kawhi Leonard's and their, 
Anthony Davis, obviously, he left the Pelicans. But the idea was, oh, these guys are going to stay here because only their incumbent team could pay them the Supermax. But at the same time, the high-spending big market teams are going to be the ones getting penalized. because. So that's why I think just they're just trying to enforce the parity. But I, I don't think it's going to really change that much. So that's what I want to ask you here. That's the main question I have. Because in recent years, we've seen relatively smaller market teams like Milwaukee, like Denver, like, uh, for instance, Toronto, all within recent years win NBA championships under the previous CBA. So the new CBA is supposed to be designed to go ahead and create parity amongst a greater group of teams than what we've seen previously. Was what you're saying is that you're somewhat skeptical in the next seven years that that's going to continue to happen? Or do you think that this CBA, as it currently now stands, especially when it kicks in, you know, in full form in a year, is actually going to create the parity that it's intended to? It's a difficult question to answer because as we talked about Memphis, now all of a sudden has three guys on just about max contracts. Oh, Steve talked about in terms of they just have so many assets and it looks like they're ready to compete this year. I mean, I think going in that the Warriors, the Clippers, and the Suns, I think, I don't think they're even the cream. I think maybe the Suns are, but they're not even the cream of the crop in the NBA right now. So I I don't know how it's going to change. I mean, I, I think if you're going to pay whatever repercussions, you're just going to deal with it. I mean, these teams aren't going to be deterred from a pick freezing seven years down the line when they're already traded three picks and three swaps otherwise to get star X here. The difficulty, I think, really comes in in the terms of trading. You can't trade, you know, your $20 million guy, $10 million guy for a $32 million guy on this team. So... Will it deter teams in a little sense it will, but as long as you're able to have draft well, have these guys bird rights, it's not going to change. I mean, look at the Warriors. They drafted, as I said, Steph, Clay, Draymond. The Lakers, obviously, they brought in LeBron and AD, but they're one of the best developments and drafting capable teams in the league with Austin Reeves, Alex Caruso, Taylor Horton-Tucker, Max Christie looks like a recent hit. So, Obviously, these guys aren't superstars, but you're able to, you know, get their rights, keep them, develop them, and then if you're willing to spend, you'll spend anyway to build around those guys. So I don't think it's going to change a whole lot. I just do think there are some small market teams that are actually in pretty good shape coming into this new CBA. Obviously, Denver just won. Milwaukee won two years ago and or three years ago, and they're a small market, so... But let's say you're you're but let's say you're a Charlotte. You're not exactly if you're a Charlotte fan, you don't think that this new CBA is gonna miraculously turn your fortunes around. No. No, because you still need to get the guys in town to be able to get their bird rights to essentially retain them because quite frankly, guys wanna play in bigger markets anyway, because there's the bigger shoe um shoe deals, the bigger endorsements. They want to have a chance at a championship. Usually, more often than not, the bigger teams are the teams that are able to put together a championship. So, no, I mean, it's not going to keep a guy from, you know, it's not going to make the Charlotte Hornets suddenly a playoff team. Okay. 
if they continue to make the moves that they make, of course. I mean. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. It is Steve Miguel from the Birds Rights Podcast. Please go ahead and check out everything that he's doing, not only on YouTube with some great interviews there, but also as well his awesome podcast that you can get available now wherever you get your audio podcasts. It is the Bird Rights Podcast. Magic Man, uh, you've obviously you and Joe have been you know, just hitting him left and right with some great questions. I know you still have some more thoughts. This is something that we've talked about constantly on the show is this new CBA, what the parameters are. The Lakers, as it stands now with 13 players signed, they're just barely, barely under that first apron. I know that's of great concern to fans out there as we continue to try and sign maybe one more player. Do we bring up the two-way players? Do we lose the two-way player and make it only two two-way players? I know there's a lot of variations on things we can do, but Magic Man, any thoughts on how this new CBA relates to the Lakers going forward? Uh, you know what, Gerald? I, I had often uh, was wondering, you know, we, uh, and I'm glad we've, we've got Steven in here for this question. Um, often there's like two um, consensus um, thoughts on how to build a team. Um, one is obviously through the draft, you draft your guys and then you try and complement them around the margins, right? Steven, or the second Avenue you could go down is you have all your complementary pieces in place and you're just missing the superstar. So as an example, right in 2019, uh, a good example of the latter would be the Raptors. The Raptors had a lot of complementary players in place. They were just missing a superstar. They happened to acquire Kawhi Leonard and, Obviously, they hit the ground running, right, Stephen? Uh, the Lakers, on the other hand, very different path. Uh, we're going to build through the draft and basically deplete all the cupboards to try to get these two guys in here. Do you see any other machination in this CBA where you can build build a team creatively without those two primary structures in place? Hmm. Provided that, I mean... This CBA really, as we talked about, penalizes those teams in the second apron and in the tax. I mean, thinking of like, sure, if OKC says, you know what, let's trade Jalen Williams, these four first-round picks, Lou Dort, whatever salary filler to bring right. in Dame Lillard, that, that's something that could happen. I mean, I, and that's something I think might be feasible because OKC definitely has a better package than Miami does. So... I mean, I definitely think that teams could, I mean, you gave these two avenues, Golden State found a way to do both because of that cap spike. Yeah. So, I mean, is it possible for there to be a third avenue? I can't even honestly think of really a third avenue, whether there's a new CBA or not, to 
I mean, you either trade for stars or you draft them. That's that, and that's why that da- or not doubt. That's why Sam Hinkie. That was a philosophy under the process. Uh, I don't want to, you know, hop on the Sixers and whether the process worked or not. But they got Joel Embiid. They they got their MVP that they wouldn't have gotten in free agency. It took years to do it. It took a lot of patience and a lot of heartache, and so far for nothing because they haven't won at all. But they got their they got their star. They thought they had a star in Ben Simmons. I mean, so I mean, really, the only two ways that I can think of to really um, win a championship, you either draft excellence, you do a great job of drafting, or you sign those guys and you have guys that want to go there. I mean, yeah, Kawhi Leonard was a good example because Toronto was the one two seed every year in the East, but they couldn't get over the LeBron James hump. Now, LeBron James went to the Lakers anyway and was out of the East. If they still had DeMar DeRozan, maybe they still could have made the finals. Who's to say they would have won? Who's to say they would have got past that Sixers team because Kawhi Leonard wouldn't have been there to make that shot anyway? It might have been the Sixers that year had they not made the Kawhi trade. But my point is, uh, I think those are really, regardless of the CBA, the two avenues, I don't think that's going to change all that much. So if you're advising the Lakers right now, and once again, okay. Steve, we appreciate so much about you, you taking the time to speak to us today. And I'll get it back over to Joe here in a second. Right now, the Lakers, as I was uh, going back and forth with Adam on there, the Lakers are just barely below the first apron at $1.4 million. They still have a $1.9 million exception still available to them. Obviously, you hear the rumors that they still want to sign somebody. They only have 13 players signed right now, three two-way players signed, which they will have to remove if they don't sign 15 players in full to the roster, and then at next exhibit 10. Your thoughts on how you'd proceed forward if you were the Lakers at this point? So the thing with the um, the luxury tax is – it doesn't matter where you are to start the year. It matters where you finish, essentially. So, like, we saw the Sixers last year. They were in the tax all year. And then at the trade deadline, they traded Matisse Leibel to bring in Jalen McDaniels to shed the salary and get under the tax by a few hundred thousand. So, if I'm the Lakers, I'm not – I'd probably send a guy to a minimum just, you know, to get their rosters because they're going to have the cap hit anyway. They're going to have to sign the 14th guy anyway. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you're a little bit over the tax. You could always – Salary dump can reddish if he doesn't work. You could always salary dump player X that you sign on a minimum and, you know, worry about it at the deadline. So if, if you're close enough that you know, okay, I'm going to find a way to get out of it, and then the buyout market, you know, it's um, you sign a player proportional to the remainder of the days left in the season. So you cut a guy who's making the minimum, which is – the cap is 1.8, 2.1 million, whatever it is this year with the new cap. And then you bring in a guy for $700,000, that's where you shed that money, essentially. So I would anticipate, okay, one of these guys, whether it's Cam Reddish, whether it's Jackson Hayes, whether it's player center X that they're going to bring in because it looks like Prince and Vanderbilt would be uh, ones that I would look at because if they don't pan out, during the before the trade deadline, they're right around what four, four and a half million. You know, you get a you get a minimum player return and you've saved three million dollars right there. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think the Lakers are too worried about going over the tax right now. 
I don't believe they have much of their exceptions left because they use yeah they use their non non taxpayer mid level on Gabe Vincent and they use the biannual on Torian Trance. So all they could really do is sign a minimum guy. I'm sure they'll bring in. I can't think off the top of my head who exactly, but I I would imagine they bring in another big man to, you know, give a little bit more big man depth. You guys I'm sure have talked about that at some points. Yes. Options for that. I mean we just oh, yes. saw like. Nolan's Noel go to Sacramento, so maybe a guy like that. So that way you're not depending on Jackson Hayes, who's still a little raw to, to you know, pan out. So that, that's what I think. Uh, you sign the guy, you're going to get the cap hit anyway, and then figure it out later. Okay. Fair enough, indeed. But yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to make sure that that, you know, what the Lakers could do going forward. Joe, before I have a question from our audience to go ahead and hit up Steven on, do you have any more thoughts that you wanted to go ahead and express? The current CBA, I think I've gotten all the questions I had answered. Okay. I just wanted to as make far sure. As, as far as who the Lakers are, I guess, thinking of signing, you're right, uh, Stephen, they, they are likely waiting for a big man. I, I heard today that there's been some rumblings that the Lakers don't want Christian uh, Wood. Uh, although, if that were the case, would you think they'd they would have signed that Bismack Biombo by now. So I don't know necessarily if I believe that yet. It could be true because you do have Jason Kidd in Dallas, and it's already reported that he's not a big fan of Christian Wood. So we're kind of in that limbo. But I I, I think the Lakers are waiting this out to see how this plays out regardless, and that's really the only thing I think left at this point until training camp starts. One thing I want to ask, though, is a question that Kurt in our chat has asked and he wanted to go ahead, Stephen, and if you could relay on this, you'd answer on that. Stephen, what would you suggest a team like OKC does with a plethora of draft picks? As I mentioned earlier, 35, 15, first, 20 seconds in the next seven years and already a talented young roster. And I think they have, after they let go Rudy Gay, what, 22 on the roster right now? Trade assets or keep drafting? What would you do? So, I they definitely have to consolidate. The question is, at what point? I mean, when do you, when do you want to push those chips in? Like, we just talked about Toronto. They were ready. They just needed that superstar. They're already in a roster crunch. So, I would start consolidating, you know, around the edges. I wouldn't quite yet trade for a star until I know, okay, this is, this is what we need. Because... SGA took a huge jump. Chad Holmgren, we haven't even seen play in the NBA yet. He looked great in summer league, but we we don't know to what extent he is a building block yet. So in terms of a team like OKC, saw it. They took on Davis for Tons and Jeff to move up two spots for they probably were going to get 12 anyway. And now the Davis for Tons salary to attach to a first round pick to bring in, you know, that's attached to Davis, Tons, and Lou Dort. Then all of a sudden that's 35 million salary, you could salary match for with picks. So those said the same thing. They got Victor Oladipo in a salary dump from Miami. They could consolidate him in a trade. I mean, they'll but Tons and Oladipo gets you about $30 million player. So you can have OKC starting to, I suppose, lay the blueprint of, okay, we are ready to consolidate these pieces and start pushing those chips in. We've been rebuilding a few years now. You saw Houston obviously get impatient with, it's tough to rebuild. I mean, these guys, Sam Presti obviously has more job security than a guy like Raphael Sony Houston does. But, I mean, he's accustomed to winning. 
I just think it's a matter of when they're ready to push the chips in. And maybe that takes another season, but you're starting to see them lay that blueprint by acquiring guys they could salary match, given how many guys they have on rookie contracts. And great having your board, Stephen. But before we give you the hard pitch or give you the time and the platform to go ahead and pitch why people need to check out the Birds Right podcast, I want to go ahead and ask Sean and Joe one last time if either of them have any questions for you before we head on out. So, Sean and Joe, I turn it over to you guys. Uh, guys, do you have any thoughts on on you know what you want to you know any final things you wanted to go ahead and and reach out to Stephen on in regards to the CBA or any other questions? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So Steven, what, uh, what are you, um, actually using your big brain for that, that you find interesting, that's a little different in this CBA than in the previous one that you think may pretend to like bigger changes down the road. It's almost as if it'd be kind of like a springboard. Um, do you see anything like that? Or do you think like, as you've stated before that really, Right now, it's an experimental phase, and they'll try and cement uh, the good parts of it later on. So I, I kind of compare it to what the NBA, what the CBA is doing right now, similar to what in Major League Baseball, in terms of they have literally two luxury tax aprons, but are they using this to prepare to become the NFL, which has a hard cap? Because it would have been too drastic of a change to go from a soft cap to a hard cap. It, it just wasn't right. feasible. So uh, I could see that scenario, but then all of a sudden it brings up what we were talking about earlier, where how are you going to make these guys supermax eligible and make them get all this extra money and then say, oh, you're hard capped when you know you drafted while you had these guys' bird rights. So it's definitely going to be more complicated if they were to do a hard cap. I think... It would be a pretty lenient hard cap if they ever went towards it. But uh, I definitely, you know, I think it's an experiment and they'll figure it out. And send me I mean, I, I don't think anybody's too concerned. All the guys on the current um, board of the player union are actually older veterans typically. Right. So they'll probably like, you know what, seven years from now, I obviously that's for players, but I'm not going to be in the league anymore. So, uh, I yeah, uh, I think it's... Uh, temporary solution that they want to see how it goes before deciding what's next seven six seven years from now very interesting indeed but before we head on out look who popped in before we head on out good man indeed he heads up our playback.tv so takers fast break it is nick molina aka laker nick laker nick great to have you here we've got steven Bagel from the birds rise podcast just before we wanted to go ahead and, and make sure to head it over to Joe, but I wanted to go ahead and make sure you got a word in edgewise. Do you have any questions on the CBA and Steve that Steven can answer for you, my friend. And thanks Gerald. Uh, thanks Steven, magic man and Joe. It's great to be here. Sorry. I'm a uh, tardy, but at least I thought I'd get a few minutes in with you guys. Um, yes, yeah, Steven and apologies if this has been hit on already by you, but one of the biggest questions I have and probably other members of the audience is how can the CBA realistically be modified in order to put better product on the actual basketball floor? And what I mean by that is, you know, encouraging players to actually play games, not encouraging load management, maybe tying some type of performance metrics with compensation maybe even having clawback provisions for players that 
are quote unquote thieves um, when it comes to their contracts. But uh, just kind of brainstorming with you, like what are the areas in the CBA that could actually be realistically modified to make uh, fans have a better viewing product on the basketball floor? So this was underdressed in the new CBA in terms of to be eligible for all NBA or MVP or any, any accolade, basically, you need to at least play 65 out of the 82 games. I don't know exactly if it's going to you know, be successful because look at some of the guys that didn't play 60 games this year. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, I think, only played 66 and he won MVP. I mean, a lot of LeBron, I don't think, definitely didn't get there. Um, you see a lot, I think six of the 15 guys who actually made all NBA wouldn't be eligible starting next year because they didn't play 65 games. So will that change? Maybe. But some, some of these guys have legitimate injuries. I mean, I know Kawhi Leonard and his load management is a, probably a huge basis for the fact that they had to implement something like this. So uh, I think the NBA has tried alleviating some of the concerns. I, I think the biggest thing is they had to find a way to force, not force players. If there's a legitimate injury, there's a legitimate injury. There's not much you can do about that. But these guys need to play in road games. I mean, fans are playing, like, if I'm a 12-year-old kid who loves basketball and the Lakers are in town, I want to see LeBron James. And then he's going to, you know, sit although I'm an Eastern Conference team. I'm in Philly. I'm a 12-year-old kid living in Philly. The Lakers only come in town once a year. If LeBron sits out, I don't get to see him. So, and quite frankly, it could be the last time I ever have the opportunity to see him. So I think they need to implement some kind of provision that players have to be required barring significant injury that they have to play road games. I mean, at least home games, you have 41 opportunities to see the player. But uh, I think just in terms of selling tickets and not disappointing fans as much, uh, I think something along those lines would be beneficial. They definitely tried addressing it with the whole, oh, 65 games eligible. Now guys are just going to get screwed out of awards and guys who shouldn't become Supermax eligible are going to become Supermax eligible because eight of the 15 best guys didn't play 65 games. I mean, I, it's, it's a very flawed system. And as a guy who knows the CBA, I recognize it. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously load management is a thing, but it's – has gotten too extensive and that's what they're trying to alleviate. Yeah. And even with the injury point that you uh, bring up, Steven, um, I could see obviously like uh, certain teams or players, uh, you know, having some bias and maybe not being completely truthful of whether they're completely really truly injured or not. So mm -hmm. maybe even uh, putting in some provisions where it allows for maybe a neutral assessor of the injury to actually make sure and verify that the injury does in fact exist could help uh, help with that um but yeah no i mean all good points you bring up yeah i mean that's definitely something feasible but even so like players could always still fake it oh i have a groin injury they come in limp i don't know everything there's a loophole behind we've already you know kind of touched on that a little bit teams are always gonna find a way so but yeah, they're definitely at least attempting to alleviate that issue. Yeah, and, from the court. 
Yeah, and that's actually a, a separate but sort of related topic with the issues surrounding NBA and, and officiating. I know the Magic Man has been uh, running a campaign against the NBA refs, and it's been a very valid one. And, you know, the way that they self-regulate, that's completely problematic, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the officiating itself, when you're having uh, people from the same crew, the same gang, uh, you know, hand out, you know, disciplinary action for bad calls i mean that's just very problematic yeah and unfortunately the cba only regulates players in the league it doesn't you know regulate the officials so that's a whole nother issue so but yeah i mean the product on the court i think it sways a guy for maybe playing an extra one or two games like i think as long as the player is okay i'm on pace to play 65 games barring an injury i i don't think it's going to really deter Especially when, like, I don't know, it was five games and seven nights, three games and four nights. Guy's going to sit. He's going to sit. So, unfortunately, there's not. Maybe you start fining the player that if it's for rest, the team gets a fine and the player's probation of their salary is taken away. I don't know. I mean, these guys have so much money. That's why I don't think, like, the um, the playing tournament, not the playing tournament, the, um, the in season tournaments. I, the I don't NBA think it's going to. What is it? The NBA Cup. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I don't think people or players are going to be dying. I think Phoenix is going to want to win the tournament because 11 other guys are on minimums. That $500,000 each player would win is a half their salary. So, but I mean, uh, it's a star-driven league. These stars make so much money. They're not going to care about the small incentives to, you know, whether they get fined or whether it is to win the tournament. I just, I, I don't see it really impacting much. Once again, it is Stephen Bigel from the Bird Rise Podcast. Please go ahead and check out what he's doing today on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Joe, Nick, or Sean, any last thoughts? Uh, you know, he's been so tremendous with his time. Any thoughts, any questions? Any want to make sure he's here. Got to make sure we get it on out, guys, because, again, uh, he's always welcome back, but he's a busy guy. So I want to make sure we actually get everything out before we head on out. No, Stephen, uh, no, it's been super informative. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been uh, listening over the past hour or so. So uh, it's great to hear your insights. And I wish you could help save the Lakerholics.com, by the way. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, that's I love the drama. Better. I think the drama has been great. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I don't care what Laker Tom said before I, we, we we all love the drama even magic love man the loves drama. the drama i love the drama i think yeah, right now, i'm not involved this time right now tom and and sean are in competition and which how many retirements is each one gonna have in their laker fast break career i'm looking forward to seeing more as we go on i i used to call it the randy macho man savage tour of retirement matches but then of course two weeks later he'd always show back up and then, of course, Ric Flair recently has been that guy. So I, I enjoy the, the drama. It's genuine. That's why it's funny. So keep it up, guys. Jamie, if you're watching, keep doing what you're doing because it adds the fuel. Laker Tom, if you're watching, keep being mad because it's funny. And that's what I got to say on that. And Joe, retiring and coming back, that's what the great ones do, you know? <laughs> MJ, Brady. <laughs> Magic man. Uh, there is a word that Brady's time. getting an itch again. <laughs> but Brett Favre had that same itch for what three, 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 four years in a row. Right, right. 
but it's Steven, it's it's been an education uh this past hour. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, it's been great. We got to have you back, uh, Stephen. This has been good. And your hat, uh, just don't bring your hat if we see it, because I might steal it. It has linkers (laughs) on it. Yeah, that's why he would steal it. That's exactly why he would steal it, Stephen. So make sure you lock it down from Joe. But I, before we head on out, we want to make sure we get the you the chance to give the hard pitch to everyone out there, why they need to check out your awesome show, The Bird Rights Podcast why they need to go ahead as far as a must on everything CBA, finances for the NBA, and basically great basketball talk. Please let us know why you need to check out the Bird Rights Podcast. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk basketball with you guys. It's always, you know, fun to to me at least to talk CBA and all that nerdy stuff that I'm into. But um, check out my YouTube channel. I believe it was linked in the comments. It's um, youtube.com at Bird Rights Pod. I'm actually doing a series with the basketball tournament, which just started yesterday. I interviewed three players, former, you know, college legends, such as Peyton Seaver, Marcus Keene. And I sat down with them, did some interviews. I went to the Portsmouth Invitational, sat down with guys who just entered the NBA draft. They just finished up those summer league careers. Craig Porter Jr., one of them, played great for the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, yeah, go check that out. Listen to the Bird Rights Podcast wherever you get your podcast. I do more than just CBA. I do try to focus on a lot of CBA stuff, but it's a lot of front office talk. I mean, who could be traded for who, which free agent signings I like, which ones I don't like. I haven't been putting out as much podcast recently. I'm actually um, a prosecutor, so I have um, another bar exam I need to take coming up in the next few weeks. So that's obviously been consuming me. So it was good to get away for an hour. And so just for those listeners, that's why, you know, you see me post a 15 minute interview on YouTube, but I haven't, you know, had time to prep for full episodes and haven't been posting as much. So yeah. Gerald, can I just quiz uh, Steven a little bit? Of course. What are the elements of a contract, Steven? Mutual assent, consideration, acceptance, and an offer. This guy's ready to pass the bar. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, another another one, uh, uh, Stephen. What's a what's an easement appurtenant? Oh, property. I'm not the best with property. Um, you know what? That's one. That's one. I'm going to get back to you on. This new CBA. I've been busy. <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. Let me see if I could think of another one. Um, Legal hey, Nick, uh, Laker Nick is our legal advisor. I could tell. Yes. I could Nick, tell. Nick's our legal eagle. What is uh, Rule 11 in, in the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure? Rule 11? Mm-hmm. Off the top of my head, I don't have the rules memorized. As far as I know, you don't need to put the um, rules on the exam. You don't. You don't. That's the right answer. But rule eleven is sanctions. Okay. Yeah. I know twelve six. I could tell you that one. He got the right answer. You need to give him full credit, Nick. He got the right answer. You got the right. I, this is the last one, and I think it's because it's very basic, and everybody should know. Uh, what is uh, uh, how do you establish uh, a negligence claim? You have to have a duty. You have to breach yep. that duty. You have to show damages. Shit, there's one more. Duty, breach, causation, damages. Perfect. This guy's ready, Gerald. I'm telling you. 
There you go. All right. You made him sweat it out, man. You made him sweat it out, Nick. My gosh. I just want to make sure he's ready. I don't want to retake it. There you go. Absolutely, indeed. But once again, it is the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate you joining us here, Stephen. Stephen Miguel from the Bird Rice Podcast. Please, when he's all finished with the bar and all that, he's got more great content coming to you right here at the Bird Rice Podcast on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Steven, the red carpet is open for you. Anytime you're allowed or able to join, you're more than welcome to go ahead and come on board with us to talk finances, CBA, or even the 76ers. We always love conversations with other fans from other fan bases. And if you ever want to toot the horn for 76ers on why you think they're going to do as well as you think they are, or something's going on, you just want to vent, you need a forum to do so. Please, we always talk the Lakers, but we also talk plenty of NBA, like to, on today's show, the NBA observation. So you're always welcome to do it here as well. So we truly appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Absolutely. So Magic Man, great to have you here. Laker Nick, awesome to have you here. Joe, even though he's trolling me in the comments, great to have you here as well. Hoping everything goes well for you this weekend in Detroit. Looking good with the hair, by the way. Absolutely, indeed. No apologies there, but it is the Lakers fast break. Uh, yeah, he's still mocking me on. I'm not. I don't want another. You know, Lakerholics has its own feud. I don't want a feud here as well. But I'll tell hey, you what. Feud though, is on you. I don't have feuds. Oh yeah, exactly. Bubby and Iran, and also a photograph of you. There you go. There's a couple of uh, great songs from the Flock of Seagulls for Joe, indeed. But once again, it is the great, Lakers. Great, great, great uh, song. Since we're talking about video games too. Space great Age song. love song. During San Andreas, when I would be in the car and I'd put it on the radio, that song would come on. I'd get really pumped while playing the game. So there you go. Very good song. There you go. Thank it you. Is... Thank you, Sean, for bringing that out, by the way. Yes. Yes. He's Literally. just for men, indeed. <laughs> but it is the Lakers fast break. It is Joe Soro, a.k.a. Ox1947. Go ahead and check him out at LakersBall.com. Laker Nick, whatever he's here, we're always glad. We're always excited to have him here. I feel he... like my vocabulary enhanced the last 10 minutes. As did I, as did I indeed. A magic man, Sean Rice, great to have him back. And again, Stephen Miguel from the Birds Rice Podcast. Please go ahead and check out what he's doing today and check out all of his upcoming shows in between, of course, what he's doing with the bar. Stephen, great to have you here. Sean, Joe, Nick, also great to have you here. But most importantly, a big thank you to everybody watching, listening in the best Lakers chat room that's out there, the Lakers Fast Break. We'll be back tomorrow with more great stuff on the way. Maybe it's a Christian Wood episode. That still seems to be so divisive. I mean, there's only been like 500 Christian Wood episodes among Lakers podcasts. My gosh, why not make another? We'll see if we can do that or something else a little different, but we'll throw most stuff at you. We've got more content on the way. That's never a problem because all summer long, you've got us tuned in right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. <laughs>